I'm a firm believer that leadership is about people. And the way to lead people is you have to earn their trust. You get to know them and make them a valued part of the organization. All of us want a sense of purpose in our life. That's what motivates us, not money, not fame, not any of that other stuff. It's a sense of purpose. I need to make people want to be like me. Set the example of what right looks like. What does a masculine man look like? And then you got to live that standard. In the real world, results matter. A large part of that is just attitude. Want to be the best you can be at whatever it is you're going to do. I want to win. I don't care what I'm doing. I want to win. I don't care if I'm playing old maid with my nine-year-old granddaughter. I want to win. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou, and we have a very special guest here today, Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCullough. Welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nikki. It's an honor to have you here, my friend. So this show is aimed at uplifting men, uplifting manhood, uplifting masculinity. I was just on... um, another call before you and I got on the show led by a former military man. And he was talking about some of the principles, which we're going to talk about today around servant leadership. And he said that most people are governed by their lizard brain at some level, which has them go through life with a question with a couple of questions, actually, you know, the questions are all around fear and view futility is and the two main questions people go through life with are am i safe and do i matter and he said that the job of a great leader is to help people feel like they're safe and help them see that they matter and i would imagine that that has a lot to do with the type of servant leadership that you're talking about so let's get into it and as you start to talk about this please start by telling us a little bit about your backstory so folks can get to know you yeah, well, thanks, Nikki. Uh, so I did 23 years in the Army as a combat arms officer. I did my first five years as an infantry officer, did my last 18 as an armored cavalry officer, and uh, retired from the Army in 2009 after I ran an Army ROTC program for three years, helping to produce the next generation of leaders for the Army and the nation. And then I ran a food bank for a couple of years, um, and I took over that food bank about I don't know, about a month, month and a half, right before the BP oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. Wow. So, and uh, food bank I I ran, helped run uh, covered fifty two counties along the Gulf Coast. So I was a little busy that that period. And then uh, the last thirteen years, I've been here in Daytona Beach, Florida, uh, doing recruiting for Army ROTC. Just retired from that job. Wednesday was my last day oh. of work, and now I'm just concentrate on writing my second book and getting out on speaking engagements and pass my message about servant leadership out to as many people as I can. That's, that's important. That's powerful stuff. Um, so tell me 
why you believe this is um, important in 2023. And I know this applies to all people, but remember, this is the Sovereign Man podcast, and we're aiming to make a difference right. for men, especially right. in this day and age. A lot right. of men today sure. are are being bombarded by negative messages by society. So talk to us about how this can apply to the next generation of young men that are coming up, especially folks in their you know mid to late teens, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds, and folks in their 20s and even early 30s. Right. Right. So I, I'm a firm believer that leadership is about people, plain and simple. It's not about flow charts. It's not about organizational charts. It's not even really about bottom line if you're a business owner. It, I mean, I got it. You got to make money. But it, it is about people. And the way to, to lead people is you have to earn their trust. And the way you earn their trust is you get to know them and make them a valued part of the organization. All of us want a sense of purpose in our life. That's really what we want. That's what motivates us. Not money, not fame, not any of that other stuff. It's a sense of purpose. And there are plenty of ways to, to build that trust and to get to know people in your organization. And, you know, I'm a firm, firm believer. When I, when I ran my Army ROTC program, so I was producing that next generation of leaders, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old leaders, I had a guy who worked for me, and I say he worked for me. He was probably a better leader than I was, Master Sergeant David Powell. And one day we were talking about the importance of what we were doing, producing that next generation of leaders. And he said, you know, sir, great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. And I thought, what a powerful mm -hmm. quote. And you can take that word nations and you can substitute anything you want for it because every organization needs good leadership. And that's our responsibility as current leaders to produce that next generation. I love that quote. Could you say that quote again? Yes. I wish I could take credit for that quote, but I can't. Great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. And again, you can take that word nations and you can say family or company or sports team or hospital or food bank or whatever you want. It doesn't change the power of that quote one bit. So given that what we're looking to do is we're looking to produce uh, a generation of, uh, of men that are masculine, that are productive members of society, that are helping keep the dream of, of freedom alive. You know, Ronald Reagan said when he was president and even before he ran for president that uh, America was akin to John Winthrop's uh, shining city on a hill. And he believed that what made America that was that there was a generation of men uh, and now some women as well that were willing to fight, bleed and die for freedom. And I'm wondering how can we teach young men today and even older men how to become good leaders? Yeah, so I, th I think it, it really does fall upon us as current leaders. We have to coach and train and develop and mentor them. And mentoring them is a huge part of it. You know, I, when I go around and I talk to organizations and I go talk to the leader, the boss, the what, you know CEO, president, and they, you know, I say, who are you mentoring? And if they tell me nobody, I, I really doubt whether or not they're a leader because 
leaders produce more leaders. That's our job. That that's what we that's to me, that's the most important part because you are going to leave that organization. I don't care what it is at some point. And it's your job to help produce that next group of leaders who's going to take over that organization and keep it running. Just like Ronald Reagan said, that for the country, organizations, country, whatever, we we have to pass along those great things that we've learned throughout our lives that will help that next generation. So I think mentoring is, you know, you, you got to coach them, you got to train them, train them to standards, train them in values, um, and then hold them to a standard. You know, I, I tell people all the time, the people who work for you are just like your children. They will do what you let them do. If you hold them to a high standard, they'll do good things. If you let them do whatever they want to do, they'll do bad things. So we got to hold them to a standard. And then, then we got to mentor them, be there for them when, when they have questions, when they have issues, when, when they, maybe they make a mistake. You got to mentor them through all that stuff. Define mentoring. What's the distinction in your mind between mentoring and coaching? So to me, coaching is you, you coach a lot of people and you throw out principles, you throw out um, ideas, those kinds of things that, that you've learned that work. Mentoring is a, is a one-on-one, you know, and, and I always tell people, look, you can't mentor everybody. I got that. You got to pick some some people you think that are worthy of your extra time that you think really are going to make a difference. And you got to spend some extra time with them, be available to them. You know, I, I've had mentors who I was lucky who, who retired two, three, four star generals in the army. And anytime I could pick up the phone and call them and say, Hey, sir, I got this decision. I got to make, what do you think? Here's my two avenues I'm thinking about. Or here's the three different positions that they're offering me for my next assignment. What do you think? And they would give me an honest opinion and and tell me what they thought. Now, in the end, I got to make that decision because you have to decide for yourself. But it's nice to have that person to bounce ideas off of that have more experience than you, who who have been there, who have done it, that can then help walk you through the options that you have and at least give you some pros and cons for each one. So I think mentoring is a much more personal thing than coaching. Coaching is a, you can coach a lot of people. You got, you can only mentor a few people, truly mentor them and mentor them well. Okay. So let's dig into mentoring if you don't mind, and let's draw some more distinctions. Is this a good high level uh, distinction between mentoring and coaching? So if you're work, if you're mentoring somebody one-on-one, Okay, let's say I decided to mentor uh, a few young men. Like one of my sons plays soccer. Let's decide. Let's say I decided to mentor them in how to make the transition from being, you know, young men to being like full-grown, full-blown men. Right. What would that entail in your mind? What kinds of activities, what kinds of engagement would need to be present so that can be considered effective mentoring? Yeah, that's a good question. I think one of it, one of the main things is you have to set the example. You, you know, when I ran my ROTC program and when, when I was an army officer and even today doing whatever I do now, I, one of the thoughts forefront in my mind is I need to make people want to be like me. So set the example of what right looks like. What does a masculine 
man look like? Or if you're with, dealing with young ladies, what does what does right look like for a leader? And then you got to live that standard. Because, you know, my father used to tell me when I was a kid, he says, son, if your words say one thing and your actions say another, people are going to believe what you did, not what you said. And, and I believe that 100 percent. So you got again, you got to set high standards, but you got to live those standards first. You can't expect somebody else to live up to high standards if you're not doing it yourself. So I think, number one, you got to set the example. Number two, I think you got to you got to walk them through situations or walk with them through situations and and answer questions and guide them to make good decisions because life is all about decisions and consequences and every decision you make has a consequence and people have to understand that and you got to help them get to the point where they're making good decisions and my father told me he said i can help you with that son he said every time you're about to make a decision just think to yourself, would you want your mom to know that you're about to do what you're about to do? And if the answer is yes, then it's probably a pretty good decision. If the answer is no, you probably need to rethink that one. So, you know, I really like the first aspect of what you said, which is you got to be the example. And I'm thinking about it for myself. Am I somebody, the people that follow me want to be like? That's a really good question to ask people. It is. And the second is to walk them through specific situations and show them how to make good decisions. Because if you do that, man, really, there's not a whole heck of a lot else involved in mentorship, right? No, there isn't. I mean, if you can get people to where they can make good decisions, because that's life. I mean... And, and life will get a lot easier for them once they can start making good decisions. And I think, you know, that that's part of being a mentor is helping them, like I said, be there available to them when, when they have to make decisions. Again, you can't make the decision for them, but you can at least say, okay, here's the pros and cons of, of the decision that you're trying to make here, of what you think you want to do. Here are the pros and cons. And, and you know, and, and I've had... I've had mentors who have done that for me, and I do that for for a lot of the people that I mentor. You know, I've I've been lucky in my life here in the, in the, my last t- few years in the army. I've been involved in commissioning over 500 lieutenants into the army, and a lot of those stay in contact with me now. Not not every week, not every day. Some of them will contact me once every six months, some once a year, one some every couple of years when they move to a new position or they got a question that they want to ask me. But I always try to make people make myself available to, to young men and women that I've had the privilege to help develop into leaders because that, that I, I had that opportunity growing up as a leader to, to call somebody who might have, who definitely had more experience than I did in what, what I was trying to decide. So if we pick some good people to mentor, I mean, you coach a lot of people, as you said, you pick a few people to mentor in life. And what would be the qualities that you would say, you know, men like myself who are a bit older and are looking to mentor young men 
What are the qualities right. we ought to be looking for in a potential mentee? Yeah, so I think uh, character and values, do they live the, the how you expect people to live? I mean, it's pretty hard to mentor somebody who who isn't who doesn't see things the same way you do. Um, now, I guess the argument would be that maybe you can change your mind, but but I don't think that's not part of mentoring to me. That's part of coaching, developing, and training. Mentoring, you're, you've got somebody who you think could could eventually take your position, and if they don't have your same values and character, then that, that'd be that's pretty tough to me. So I think character. Uh, values. And I think attitude, somebody who wants to be mentored, who wants to be better than they are. I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a firm believer that results matter in the real world results matter, at least maybe in fantasy land where everybody gets a trophy and everybody's a winner, maybe not, but in the real world results matter. And a lot, large part of that is just attitude. Wanting to be the best you can be at whatever it is you want that you you're going to do. I, I, you know, I, I want to win. I don't care what I'm doing. I want to win. I don't care if I'm playing old maid with my nine-year-old granddaughter. I want to win. And, and that came from my father who said he had, when I was growing up, he had this 75% rule. And he said, son, if you can't do something better than 75% of the people doing it, then you need to do one of two things. You either need to figure out how to get better at it, or you need to go do something else. Cause obviously it doesn't matter to you. And, and I've lived my life that way. I, I, pass that on to my children. I, hopefully they'll pass it on to our grandchildren, their children. And I've passed it on to a lot of young men and women that I've had the privilege to help develop as leaders because results do matter. And, and I think as a, when you're looking for somebody to mentor, you got to have some, I think you got to pick those people who have that desire to be successful, to pass on the things that they're learning. And that all comes down to attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the 75% rule. Although I got to tell you, I think true success would modify that rule to the 95% rule. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, probably. Um, and I want- well, if you really have the attitude that you want to be the best at whatever you can be, then you're not going to be satisfied no. with 75%. You're going to, you're going to want to be the best. And, 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 and I think that's it. And, you know, I think, why he picked seventy five percent, I don't know, but but that 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 certainly served me well growing up to to put the fire in me to be the best I could be at whatever I was doing, and and he used the example one day. He said, "Son, I don't care if somebody makes you the floor sweeper. Be the best floor sweeper there is. It doesn't matter. Anything you do is worth doing as well as you can do it." Well, I'm going to modify it to the ninety five percent rule if that's all right. Because there you go. 75% <laughs> just seems a little wimpy to me. No offense to your to your father. I'm sure that he meant yeah. all the best with that. But I like the 95% rule. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking I'm even going to call this podcast the 95% rule because this episode, I there think it's go. a good title for an episode. It will make people think. And what we want to do here inside Sovereign Man is make the, the, the folks that listen to this show, because some women listen to this show, believe it or not. I'm kind of shocked, but they do. Um, and well, if you want to be the best, who, who you know, it always kills me that people. If you want to be the best at whatever you do, anybody can teach you that. Doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, whatever. So, 
I think I, I, I think it's good. I think, I think it's good, to too. It. I mean, they could send it to some of their men. They could learn something. But, you know, it's not very politically correct. We're not somebody who goes out of our way not to step on any toes. And we say things that, you know, the modern femi- feminist movement definitely would not be happy with us and some of the things that we say. Yeah. But, hey, it's great. The women listening to the show is great. I, that that never bothers me. I, I tell the truth. And if that hurts somebody's feelings, oh, well. then God bless them, you, man. Me. God bless you. All right. So we've gone deep into mentoring. We've gone deep into the qualities of a good mentee. So we've picked a good mentee, a good series of mentees. But there's a lot of people that are going to come into our lives that aren't going to be mentees. We can't mentor everybody, but we can offer to train. We can offer to coach. We can offer to develop people. Why don't you draw some distinctions between training, coaching, and developing, and, and let's talk about how, as men, we can help train, coach, and develop the people we can't mentor. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, it it still goes into you got to get to know the person that you have the privilege to lead. So if you're leading people, you got to get to know them so that you know what their strengths are, you know what their weaknesses are, you know what they like, don't like. Now, I got it. You got to keep that lead leader relation led leader relationship but that doesn't mean you can't get to know people you you have to and and that, again that goes back to trust and if somebody trusts you then they're going to listen to you and, and they're going to be willing to try new things because they know that you you do have their best interest at heart you're not just doing it for yourself so i think that you know coaching is again i think a pretty wide um blanket and you can coach lots of people and all you're doing is putting information out there. You are uh, directing them in a certain direction to learn more, to, to do more. I think training is very specific in that you are training them in certain things to do, ways to make a decision, ways to accomplish a task that, that maybe you they need to do as a leader, specific to their profession, specific to whatever it is they're doing. And then develop, I think, is over a period of time. It's it's a combination of the teaching and and coaching, and you're developing them in that. Just probably this short of mentoring again, because I just think I think you, you got to be very selective in who you're going to actually mentor, because you just don't have the, enough time to mentor yeah. everybody. So, but developing can be a, again a pretty wide thing in that you you are going back and checking on people, making sure they're doing the things that, that you've coached them, then trained them to do and keeping them on track. And then the mentoring piece is the the next step up where you've picked a few people to actually make yourself available to whenever. All right. I like this, but again, let's break down these other three areas of coaching, training and development. Let's go a little more granular and deep into each one. So when you say coaching is a wide blanket, talk to me about that. Specifically, what is coaching like? Is coaching like I'm giving you information on how to build uh, you know, a, a better marriage? I'm giving you information yeah. on how to build knives, yeah. how to write books. What's the difference yeah. between coaching yeah, I, and training? Let's, let's make that clearer for people. Yeah, so I think coaching is a lot, a lot of more information-wise than actually getting them out and doing the hands-on piece. I think coaching, you know, I, I look at coaching as a lot of like teaching. Um, so you can coach a lot of people in a classroom, at a lecture, at a conference, 
on the sports field, you know, you can coach them, teach them the right things to do, talk about the right things to do. So I think it's a lot more information than it is actually doing it. Um, and you use examples. I, I, when I coach people, I use examples of what I've done in the past. So at least then they can conceptualize what I what it is I'm trying to pass on to them. And then I think if, when you go into the training, now we're do, actually doing the hands-on piece, actually teaching them, training them how to do it themselves in real life situations. And I think scenarios are a good way to do that in a classroom or on a sports field or in whatever environment you're in. If you can then take whatever you've coached them to do, taught them to do, and actually have them apply it in a scenario-based situation, then they actually gain some experience in actually doing it. And I think the training is the actual doing of it, of what you've coached them and taught them. Okay. So the distinction you're drawing between coaching and training is coaching is very information heavy. It's like being in a classroom where a teacher is giving you almost a lecture and you're sitting down, you're maybe taking notes, you're trying to absorb it, blah, 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 but it's not individualized. Training is more like a how-to manual. You're showing people how to do something. So training isn't go build a knife. Training is if you want to build a knife, here's how you start. Here's all the steps that you take. And that's how you get the knife. And and, uh, let's actually do it. And let's do it. Because to me, you know, I can, I I tell people all the time, you know, look, I can bring a thousand leadership experts and I hate that word, but leadership experts in here and let them talk to you to your, till they're blue in the face and you can pick up all that information. And that means nothing, absolutely nothing until you actually go out there and lead. So you've got to have that piece of it or you've wasted your time with coaching. Yeah. 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 It, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, I mean, it's just like a football coach, you know, you, you sit through sessions where you learn the plays, the playbook on a blackboard, but until that means nothing until we go actually go out and practice and actually run the play. That's where we start figuring it out and what really works and what doesn't work and who, who's the best person for that, for that position. So I, you know, you got to have that, that connection between let's learn it and let's do it. Learn it and do it. You know, it's interesting. Like I, last week, um, my sweetheart and I, we did a, uh, workshop and it was called write your book in three hours and we're showing people how to go in and use ai to write a book in your area of expertise in three hours but what we did was we didn't coach people we trained people we had them sit at their computer we had them pull up their um uh, their internet get into uh one of the ai platforms we use we had them start to feed in um some information to say, hey, we're going to write a book about, say, 10 strategies to grow your coaching business over the next 90 days by at least six figures. Okay, so that's that's the title of my book. So that's the book. And I'd feed into the AI platform. I'm going, hey, write out 10 strategies for how to grow your coaching business in the next 90 days by at least six figures and outline this for me over four pages. So the AI uh algorithm would do that. And I'd look at the 10 it came up with and I go, okay, these, these five are mine. These five are not. Do I agree with these five? 
No, I'd say rewrite the chapter, pull out these two, add these two instead. Boom. That's how quick AI could do the outline. Then once the outline was done, we'd go to people and we'd show them how to, you know, basically flush it out with introduction, chapters, conclusion. Add some meat to yeah, it. Yeah. So, but everybody did it. I didn't just talk and say, okay, now you go do it. Everyone was there. We were there. We held their hand. We made sure they got it done. So people are coming to us at the end and going, wow, this was really valuable. This was great. That's training, right? That's training. That's it. Well, if all I'd done was just say, do this and let them go off on their own, that'd be coaching. You know, if you showed them the website and said, if you go to this website and this is how the things that you say into it, and then went through all that, but they didn't actually do it, then you coached them. You didn't train them. And then I, I agree. Developing 100%. would be us doing additional sessions where we would walk them through actually doing more and flushing it out better, etc. So development would be actually and, and look and looking at the results and saying, okay, you did this and this was the result. You did this and that was the result. Let's get to the point where you're you're getting the good result every time. That's developing, I um, think. So, you know, I've learned a lot. I really appreciate you making those distinctions for me because those are words I've used. I haven't necessarily used them with quite the meaning that you brought to the table, but I think this is powerful stuff. And if I may say so, as a man who helps people, you know, build branding and thought leadership, I think this ought to be part of the branding that you put on how you show all this, because there's a lot of people who talk about leadership, but nobody's talked about it quite in the way that you did today in our session. So we should definitely have an offline chat about that because I love what you're doing, man. And I think it can be a, a nice little career next for Colonel McCullough. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like teaching some of this stuff. It's powerful. And I'm, I'm excited that you're going to come to our men's uh, group to check it out for yourself. But, you know, at a yeah. selfish level, I'm going, I, I, I like, I like Oakland McCullough to come not just to learn for himself, but also to come and teach some of these folks what we can do to help make them stronger, better, tougher. Because a lot of the folks in our community right now, they don't understand these things. They don't uh, have a clear distinction about how to be a mentor, how to be a leader, how to be a coach, how to be a trainer, how to be a developer of leaders. They don't understand how to apply this in their own life for their own success, never mind doing it for other people. You know, and I think right. this is because right. they've never been taught. They've never been taught. They didn't have a mentor. They didn't have a, a, somebody they could go to. They didn't have a coach that actually cared and and taught them the things that they needed to 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 learn. So I I agree with you. I think I think we have seen a a huge decrease in in what I call leadership in this country at all professions and at all levels. And and it, you know, quite frankly, what I I think what a lot of times we call leadership in this country and probably the world right now is just horrendous. It's, it's not joke. leadership. It's not leadership. No. And yep. young, young, young men today, um, they need other men to lead them, to show them how to be men. You know, they're not showing them how to be men. The, the, the culture and the school system is calling them names. It's ridiculous. Freaking yeah. ridiculous, brother. Yeah. Ridiculous. It is. You know, well, and here's the other problem that I that I see with this generation of men coming up is that, you know, the father figure is gone in a lot of these families. Oh. I mean, and, and, and so 
who, who are they emulating? They don't have that father figure like I did growing up. You know, was my father perfect? Absolutely not. But, but I, I also learned some things I didn't want to do from him. That's a good but, lesson, too. That's a good lesson, though. I you got to admit. Teaches it is. Both ways. You can learn just as much from somebody that you don't agree with as you can with somebody that you do. But, but at least I had that figure. A lot of these young men today don't have that figure. They don't have a, a male role model in, in their life that, is, that are teaching them the right things. They don't. And, you know, there's folks that are out there that are coming and telling men, hey, be like this. Like there's this guy, Andrew Tate. There are these fellas fresh and fit out of Miami. Yep. And Rolo Tomasi, who wrote The Rational Male. And there's a lot of what they say that makes sense. But the totality of what they say doesn't. And the way that they show up for young men is the message is get real rich as quick as you can. Get a six pack and go screw as many women as you can. And I'm like, yeah. yo, that is a great message for a 16 year old boy because it gets him out of his fear. You know, yeah, get get fit. Yeah, go go work hard and make money. And yeah, find beautiful girls who want to like be with you. When you're not 16 or 17 or 18 anymore, when you're starting to get into your 20s, that's no way to live as a man. A man's got to have a view toward his role in society. And to me, that means family. Right. That means children. That means the next generation. Because if you don't do that, there's going to be no next generation, right? So you got to be you got to be thinking of a woman you're going to settle down with. You got to be thinking not of screwing every woman that you can. You know, there's this UFC champion, right? Sugar Sean O'Malley. I love him as a fighter. Great guy, but he's a young dude. And he's on uh, some some show and he's talking about, said, listen, you know, my girl knows that I can do whatever I want because I, I pay for everything. So if I just want a little puss on the side, it doesn't bother her because she knows and that's just testosterone through my veins. So I go, dude, huh? What, what kind what, of Are you out of your that? mind? I don't know about you. Uh, Oakland, but I don't know any woman who's good with a man getting a little puss on the side, you know, not at all. And, and no, they, they're not wired to be. And, 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 and he's full of crap if that's what he thinks. And man, you are a UFC champion. Okay. You're not a child anymore. No, you don't. Yeah. That's not who you want to be. Now, if you want to be a dude who's sleeping with a lot of girls, then don't have a, a steady relationship because it's disrespectful to her. And it's a bad example for the young young boys who are looking up and going, wow, man, this dude's a champion. Well, just because he's a damn champion doesn't mean jack. Guys who make a lot of money that's right. well, you know, doesn't that, mean that's, jack. That's one of the things that bothers me about uh, a lot of the pro athletes or people who are in the spotlight. And they'll they'll say, well, I'm not a role model. I'm just an athlete. Oh, shit then you obviously don't know what you're yeah. talking about because you are a role model. I promise you. And, and for some of these, again, for some of these young men, young men who don't have a father figure, you are filling that from the distance and you, they are paying attention to how you are living and, and doing the things you're doing. So you are a role model, whether you want to be or not. So we, again, we got to get back to having people of character of standards of values and and we've we've strayed so far from that that it, it we, we gotta we have to the, the men who do still believe in all that
have to have our voice heard as much as possible. Well, look, man, I'm 56 years old, and I just turned 60 well, in January. So you, you and I are in the uh, in the old man club, right? And uh, um, but we we're still full of piss and vinegar. There was a king of Sparta back in the old days who'd still put on his armor in well into his 80s and go into battle, and Spartan men were expected to fight until they were 65. From the age of seven, men would be turned into warriors, right? Little boys. Until the age of 65, you were expected to be ready to fight for Sparta in battle. In battle. That's what's missing. We got to turn our kids, our young boys, into warriors again. Because if we don't, we're toast. That's, That's my belief. And part of what I'm doing with sovereign man and part of what I want to be doing with some of the other, you know, brands I'm going to launch in the next little while is I've had this concept of starting to do not just podcasts, but video clips of me talking about things that I'm into. So I like to read. I like to collect knives. I like to write. I write poetry. I've written a bunch of books. Um, I like to cook using cast iron. So I'm a fan of Lodge. You're familiar with Lodge cookware? Big fan of Lodge cookware. You know, um, I like sports. I like health and fitness. These are topics that I think are valuable for every man to explore. And I I, I like to opine and talk. And And I look back upon ancient times. There's a lot of wisdom from people in ancient times. I'm from Iran, the great Iranian king, Cyrus the Great, Kurusha Kabir, is what we call him, Kurusha Kabir. This is the man who 2,500 plus years ago um, forged the Iranian nation, the Persian nation back then. He was the first ruler in world history to issue a declaration of human rights. So people don't know about this, but hey, I thought it was pretty cool. This right. dude did that, right? But he right. was also a warrior and he'd go and he'd conquer countries and, you know, do all the... Uh, all the things that those types of folks do and 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 people look back at that and they go man what can we learn from a guy like that well you can learn from the very first man who issued a universal declaration of human rights go read it what was his thinking around that how does that inform what we do now and what did he do right then what did he do wrong then that we could learn from today and then the ancient greeks socrates and plato and aristotle man they would hold court young men would come and sit and have conversations with these older dudes. And I'm like, where's that happening today? Are young men in front of older yeah. dudes? Or are they on their digital devices looking at Andrew Tate, Rolo Tomasi telling him, go sleep with more women? Uh, you know, go go make yeah. more cash. Or worse. Like straight up, like, listen, I'm a capitalist. I'm a right-wing, conservative, libertarian capitalist. I love, love the free enterprise system. And I love the idea of people working hard and making a lot of me. Do not get me wrong. I'm nobody's idea of a socialist. But if you're teaching boys that the most important thing in life is how much money they're going to make, man, you have just got it all wrong. All wrong. Yeah. I don't think it's Absolutely. even in the top three. I think it's maybe number five, yeah. maybe six, you know, and I don't understand, you know, why they're not more people more men in particular coming forward and saying, hey, look, don't listen to these folks. Listen to this instead. Yeah. So, you know, I had somebody ask me not too long ago. They said, so what 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 can I do? And I said, well, you can do what you can do. You know, if if you. If it's only in your family, 
If that's all you can do, then fix in your family. If it's in the in your neighborhood, if it's in your community, but those you got to do what you can do. And if everybody does their little part, then we're going to make a difference. If we don't, then we're not going to make a difference, and the world's going to keep going in the direction it's going, which is not good. Yeah, one thousand percent, man. Um, Oakland, this has been a uh, a really really um, revealing conversation. I learned a ton. I took a lot of notes. And one of my secrets of why I do podcast interviews is I basically get an hour of free coaching and mentoring from the folks that come on. Absolutely. You can learn from anybody. You know, I, I don't care if you've been a leader or doing whatever you're doing for 40 years like me. I still learn stuff from from people. Yeah. I mean, the, the minute you think you can't learn anything else, go do something else because you're not going to be any good at that. Amen. Amen. So, you know, for me, I learned a ton from this conversation. So I, I thank you and I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to having you uh, at one of our upcoming Sovereign Man meetings. I know we've set it in the calendar. I don't remember the date, but I know it's in the calendar. Well, yeah, I don't either. I yep, got it on I'm, my I'm calendar. Great, I'm grateful for that. I think, I think it's going to be a good place for you personally, but Honestly, selfishly, I'd like you to come and if you like it, come and join us uh, for yourself, but also come and join us and, you know, link arms and let's find a way to get this message out to more men because we need our kind of men and our kind of message out there more. And we need less of these loud voices that are just giving a lot of young men some good information, but also a lot of crappy information. So. I agree. 100%. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, honestly, from the point of view of a, of a man who works with folks who have expertise from a business point of view, I'd really like to have a chat with you because I think there's a lot to what you're doing that can that can be used uh, for uh, Oakland McCullough's kind of post ROTC career. It, it can be pretty exciting. I'd love to have that chat with you. So God bless you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, we'll have to do yeah, that, Nikki. All right, man. Thank you again. God bless you. And um, Baloo, ouch. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.